Good morning. We're going to hit taking it back again. And if you weren't here or haven't, are visiting or don't know, I want to review a little bit. When you walk in, you see a sign taking it back. Why do we keep bringing it up? Because it's a fight. It's not a one-day thing. It's, it's not taking it back and then next week everything comes to you. If it was a fight, the church would be full. If it was just a one-day battle, then people wouldn't backslide. If it was, if it was easy, everybody would go to heaven. It's, it's a battle because there's things against us. But Jesus embarrassed Satan when he died on the cross. He died on the cross and ripped him off of all his authority. Now, the angels know it, and the demons know it, and the principalities know it, and the rulers know it, but people don't know it. And so we want to know it. Amen? Uh, so we're going to look back. It was about 12 weeks ago, and we're going to look at Nehemiah. But I'll, before I get started, I want to say it's not to learn history. God is not a history teacher. Just I love history, even just how different foods come about or what happens. But just learning history, if it doesn't affect you today, it's useless. It needs to change us today. I used to serve this evangelist, revivalist. and, and I, mean, I, would, I, would, I didn't preach, but I'd drive the motor home. I'd set up the tape table. That dates me. If you don't know what a tape is, you can come see me. So I'd sell all his information, his tapes, and he texts me today, and he just, he wasn't complaining, he was just talking about some different things, and then what he's doing, he says, you know, I'm just, there's a financial, you know, I'm just challenge, and I reminded him of a story he told me, going back in history, and he says, I kind of remember it. I thought, this is your story, this, is a, a, this has happened to you. So I gave him all the details. We were traveling in a motorhome, and he was writing a book. Now, if you're a creative type, you know it's not like 8 to 10 I can paint. or t It's not like that. For many creative types, they get in flows. So we're traveling on the road, and he's getting in this flow to write this book, but he doesn't have a laptop. Well, he had this thought. He says, this church that we visit, that he preaches, God says, and, it, he, he, and God didn't say anything about what he was going to do for him. He just said, call, I believe his name was Joel. Call Joel and give him a crossbow. Give him your crossbow. So he calls Joel and says, Joel, you couldn't use a crossbow, could you? He says, yeah, my brother's coming to visit, and we fish with him, but I only have one. And then a week after that, he got a phone call. Same beginning sentence. You couldn't use a laptop, could you, Blaine? So I'm reminding him of history to pull in today so he can believe God for today. So we're going to study Nehemiah. We're going to look at taking it back. But it's not just a history lesson. It's not just to say, oh, that was great what God said. Because I want to read you a parable. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by perils and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants. Notice the heart of God again. Many people say, oh, Jesus is coming back. You know, the gospel's been preached. Friends, that's not his heart. It's long-suffering. It's, it's, again, he sent out, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it. They made light of it. And the Bible says, and they went their ways. Jesus is the way. They went their ways. When Jesus says taking it back, friends, it's an invitation, but it's also a call. It's not like your work friend saying, hey, you want to go to dinner. God of heaven is saying, taking it back. I want you to take it back. It's an invitation, but it's also a call. Eventually, the ark door shuts. Eventually, the, 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 the last one hears. See? And we're going to look at Ezra, and we're going to look at Nehemiah, and, there's, and, and, you know, the temple was destroyed. People revolted against God, and God prophesied and warned them, but the Babylonians came in, and they destroyed the temple. 
They, they, they ripped off the temple. They stole from the temple, just like we've been stolen from or laid things down. And the walls were destroyed. That's history. But how does that apply to Odessa? Because God wants us to take it back. And Nehemiah went back, and he built the walls in 52 days. What was dormant for 152 years, Nehemiah led the, to build it up in 52 days. But Nehemiah was the cupbearer. Now, that's a high position because you're giving the wine to the king. It's a trusted position. It's a noble position because if he doesn't trust you, you can poison him. So you, he trusts you. He was, the Babylonians came in, took the Jewish people. That's where we get Daniel, took the Jewish people. God says, okay, the, the Meds and the Persian are going to conquer you. They conquered him. So, so here's, here's Nehemiah, born in captivity, not familiar with Jerusalem. So we're going to look at the walls that he built, but Peter says we're a living stone. So this is not just about walls being built. This is about God building in our, in our heart, reviving in us. Because before Nehemiah went back, God stirred him to care. And he went back to an unfamiliar place. See, if you just want to go back and build what was familiar, you're not going to take what God has for you. Because there's promises you have not walked in, but he says, take it back that we have laid down. Amen? So I want to review, because as I was, it was a powerful service, and God prophesied through Pastor Allen, and God spoke. So it's not just, you know, we got to understand that, you know, we don't know people after the flesh. And when God, and it's a way, it's an invitation and it's a call. And I said, how do we take it back? And he, God said, spoke to me and said, change the filter. Now, if it's change the filter, it's not just remove the filter. Change the filter is to put something new in. So I was thinking, okay, God, you want us to take the filter out. When he said change the filter, I knew the filter was disappointment. Now, this is the piece God has given me. It's not the whole piece. Pastor Allen had a piece, and as the stones come together, they build the whole wall. So you have a piece, so it's not just one stone standing there saying, I'm the piece. No, friends, the, 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 those days are over. I'm, I'm the greatest on stage. I'm, no, Jesus is the greatest. We're going to get crowns where they're going to go. They're going to go at his feet anyways. This is about Jesus, friends. When we get to heaven on earth as it is in heaven, so we might as well put him first there. No one's proclaimed above Jesus in heaven. The Father exalts him. The Holy Spirit points to him on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So take out the filter of disappointment, but I want to talk about disappointment for a second. It says, page two. See, when we, the filters, when you hear the word of God, it goes through filters. Filters of theology, what do you think of God? Filters of your experience, filters of your upbringing, all those filters. Filters of abuse in the church or what the last pastor said or what your mama told you or what his mama's mama told you, what grandpa said or what they didn't say but how they lived. There's people with a poverty mentality and their dad never said we're always going to be poor, but they never said we can, we can overcome this. See, sometimes when you don't say positive things and negative things, atmospheres just stay. So it's not just what was said to you, it's what was felt to you. It's what was felt. Dad never told you you always be poor, but he never said you're going to make it. So he never gave you encouraging words. So you thought, this is my lot in life. Those are filters. So when God says taking it back, it goes through filters. And what is poured on the top does not come out what is on the, on the bottom. See, I have a really, really, really good filter. They said you can actually put sewage water in it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You can put a lot of junk in, but what comes out is pure because it goes through the filters. When you hear the news or the economy or this, we have the filters of the word of God. My God is with me. He's Jehovah Jireh. Those aren't just little things they're saying or nice little things. That's history, but we can pull back. This is not a history book, friends, and he is not a history teacher. He is alive and well, and because he's alive, he moves, and he stirs you, and he wants to revive our hearts today because God has the things appointed to you. So we take out the filter of disappointment. And what does disappointment mean? Sad or displeased because someone or something has failed to fulfill one's hope or expectation. That's a dictionary word. 
But then I started breaking it down. Dis. Anytime you see dis, it implies not. Disinterested. But then I also read this. Dis can also carry it with a sense of failure. You had something and lost it. Discouraged actually means to take courage. You have couraged. You have it. But discouraged means to take courage. It was taken from you. That's disappointed. So the big, a big filter, not the only filter, but a big filter is disappointment. I tried that. I prayed for them. I've prayed for people that have died. It doesn't mean the word's not true. It doesn't mean that God's, God doesn't care. It doesn't mean that they're not ultimately healed. My mom had breast cancer. Friends, I, my brother and I prayed for her. She died. Jesus healed her in heaven. I don't know why, but I know it's their faith, his faith, demons. No, listen, we don't know. Unless God tells you, you don't know. Unless God tells you, don't judge. But I don't know, but I do know he heals, and I do know that's his word, and I do know I don't quit, and I do know that every healing evangelist went through periods where they didn't, didn't see nothing, and if they stopped, they wouldn't be a healing evangelist. They'd just be a name in history that their parents don't even know. Most, who's your great-great-great-grandpa? You don't know. You don't know. Why? Because names get forgotten. It's those that make a difference for good or bad that are remembered. Jesus, Hitler, names are remembered, good or bad. See? So you, you will be forgotten, but not by heaven. Heaven holds the records. I wasn't raised a believer. I, I used to tithe when I was 13 years old. I'd ride my bike up Church on the Hill. It was called Church on the Hill because it was a church on the hill. I had to push my bike up the hill. I didn't go to preach. I didn't go to so no more, no more. I didn't go to make business ties. I didn't go to meet a man. I didn't go a girl or, or, or business ties. I didn't, go, I didn't go to meet a girlfriend. I, I went for Jesus. Free. People go to church for all kinds of things. We invite people to church, but there's a call where you should be. You, you need to know it's a call, and God is, that is a call. When you see taking it back, that is an invitation, but it's also a call. And Jesus said, they made light of it and went their way. We are not those people that just hear what he says and make light of it and go their way. Forget about it. So we're reviving that service. Why? Because that word still stands. Why? Because some people are still in a battle. Some people, and so we're going to look at tools, how to. So when you take disappointment out, so this is this. Not appointed, and appointed means in your assignment. So I'm going to say appointed is this. If we take the filter of disappointed out, because appointed means by, through, or as a result of an appointment, in contrast with elected. Nobody voted for your purpose or destiny. God gave it to you before you were born. It was appointed to you. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, it was good to them. Didn't ask your mom or your dad or your granddad. Didn't ask how much money you made in the past before he said you're going to be a millionaire. Didn't ask if you're going to go to the mission field before you speak a language. It was appointed to you. So if the filter of disappointed, not appointed, comes out, the filter of appointed comes in. But before you are appointed to do things, God has appointed things for you. He has appointed a measure of faith, a measure of hope, a measure of life. Because what good is it to be in the ministry if you hate people? He's appointed love for those people. Now, I know there's missionaries. I've read stories. I love biographies. I've read stories. People, people went just by obedience, and they fell in love with the people. People went for a week or two just on a little trip, and they fell in love. Why? Because God has appointed a love for those people that you're called to that's above other loves. You're not called to everybody, friends, but you're called to somebody. And this is it. And God has things appointed for you, but first he has things appointed to you. There's a measure of faith. Now, we serve a God that is in the fire with us. We sang about it, Emmanuel, God with us. So this is not Ezra and Nehemiah. There's, they have these they hit things from the king. I have authority to do this and authority to do that. God has given us authority to take it back. But he's not a king that just gives you instruction and rules. He's a king that's with you. Now, I, I, I grew up in California, and I used to frame. Pastor Allen's going to laugh at this because he's my roommate. He knows how I was. I was 
can you imagine being back in my tw- 20s? And shoot, I was fast and working. I only worked for a little bit. I go, I quit. This, this job's boring. Like, I quit. Well, the top, top, top guy came over. And he goes, John, what do you want? What do you want? And see, he, he was rough, rough. But he, I had favor with him. And he was teaching me things. Now, I think he was on Coke, but that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. He yelled at everybody, but he, he, and when I started framing, I had this nail gun, I had these two boards, and I was like, bam, 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 bam. I put all these nails in. He just walked over real nice. He says, John, if you put too many nails in it, it loses its strength. But, friends, let me tell you something. How much more is the Holy Spirit with us? Because he's with us. So he's, when we say take it back, I am taking it back, there's a little I, a little A, and a little M. But there's also a capital I, a capital A, and a capital M, that he is with us. So he's not just telling us how to take it back. He's showing us, and he is with us. Now, I had to show up to work. The house didn't build itself. He wasn't teaching nobody. He was showing me. And so other people would complain about their back and complain about this. I didn't complain. I just walked by and eat my lunch. I had to keep working. And so I didn't complain. See, we're not a group that grumbles and complains. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die? No, I know there's a promised land. So Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem because when he heard about the walls being broke down, he cried. So maybe you're a young person here and you're like, I don't really think I've lost much. This is also things that other generations have lost that you can pick up. This is not just about you. Because first the temple was built. Then the law was restored. Then the walls of the city were built. It's not good enough for us to have good services in here, but our friends are committing suicide, and they're, they don't know if they're a guy or a girlfriend. It's not good enough if our schools are messed up. It's not good enough for us. Nehemiah had to care about the walls of the city. And back then, city walls were very important because armies could come in, and there was gates that had to be built. So we're going to look at some enemies of Nehemiah because they're the same enemies of us. Why? Because it's worked thousands of thousands of years for Satan on millions and millions of people. Why would he change it? Thousands of years, millions of people. He's seen lots of John Archers preach, come and go. He's seen lots of people, but he's also seen little shepherd boys be raised as a king, so he tries to kill the seed. When Jesus was a baby, he tried to kill him. Didn't wait till he preached his first sermon. When he was a baby, all right, I'm going to get it young. I'm going to stop you young. I'm going to stop you before you get momentum. I'm going to stop the revival before. So we have all those things, but we have been appointed for greatness. And when I say greatness, I'm talking about effectiveness in the kingdom, not being well-known. Some are well-known, some are not, but friends, it's about heaven. It's in the final days. It's what heaven says, faithful, good, and I know you and I don't know you as a sheep from the goats. That is the final. The Bible says, and the court sat and the books were opened. It's not just the book of life. There's many books. One of the books is the book of remembrance. If you talk about God often, your name is written in the book of remembrance. There's other books. God holds perfect records. His records are perfect. If you go back to church on the hill and say, did John tithe? They say, no, we don't even know a John Arthur. My name's not on a seat. I didn't give enough. It's not on a brick I didn't get enough. It's not on a plaque. It's not on this. But you look at heaven, those records are there. There's a 13-year-old boy that used to push his bike up. Heaven holds the records. Amen? So Israel rebelled against God. Babylon came and destroyed. The Medes and Persians came. So I want to read in Nehemiah 4. Now this is after Nehemiah was stirred. This is after he cared about the walls. And he went back and he asked the king, and the king says, yes, you can go. Now, that king says, whatever you need, we'll give you supplies. We have a king of kings that has given us whatever we need to take back, to take it back. Amen? Here's an earthly king. says, okay, you can have the timbers. You can have this. Here's the thing. And he would say, what do you want? I want safe passage. So he would give him letters. You have safe passage. We have his promises. This is a letter from the king so we can take it back. And the ultimate taking it back was Jesus 
on the cross, in the tomb, on the throne. He took back hell, the keys of death, hell, and the grave, took the sting of death. Amen? So in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, this is the first thing they came is they mocked him. Now, this is the first one of our first things is discouragement. Because when Nehemiah went, he was not familiar with Jerusalem. He, would, he was not born there. He just saw the rubble. John, I don't believe God can give me sevenfold. I don't believe that God can restore. I don't believe that 152 years can be condensed in 52 days. I don't believe. Stop. There's the key. I don't believe. Because what comes after that is irrelevant. I don't believe. I don't believe the gifts are for today. I don't believe in prophecy. I don't believe we can read Nehemiah and apply it today. I don't believe. Stop. I don't believe. Because Jesus says the Son of Man will come back, but will he find faith on the earth? See, we are people that I believe. I believe I can take it back. I believe when the thief's caught, sevenfold. I believe when I declare what he declares and not take back what I want to take back, when he says bury this, John, but that comes alive, I can take it back. Corporately and individually. So this is what Sanballat heard. They were rebuilding the wall, and he was furious and very indignant, indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, this is the whole, the whole army of Samaria. These are all the people around going, we don't want you to build your walls. See, Satan does not want you to take it back. He wants you to sit there and be content and be comfortable. Nehemiah was comfortable. He had a good job. He was not starving. He ate the king's food. Food. He was the cupbearer. He did not need to go back himself, but he went back because there was a promise to a man named Abraham and said, this is the promised land. See, there's promises that you need to take back, and it's not about you. When I go to Mexico and Juarez and we take, I, I, I said, you know this person? This, no, we never heard of this minister. So many people they never heard of. But, John, I'm, I'm there to represent Jesus. So you didn't hear them. Guess what? I'm the best thing you got. Here's Jesus. So when I leave, there's Jesus. And so he, he left his place of comfort because comfort will kill you. You'll never fulfill your purpose and destiny in comfort. In fact, it's not when you're needing something we cry out to God. It's when he's blessed you and you walked in the promised land. That's actually a greater test. So what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? So he's discouraging them. You're not going to be able to take it back. It's the same voice as we hear. And then he says, will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are burned. What well, says in Peter, we are living stones. So this is not about a wall. This is about us. And Satan says to the epicenter, well, will they revive the stones? Well, I looked up, Lena mentioned the word, I looked up in the concordance, you know, the Bible is not written in English, it's Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and so the Hebrew word for revive, and I'll just read the definition of the concordance, nourish up, quicken, Lena mentioned the word quicken, recover, repair, restore. Will these stones, let me put it this way, will these stones recover, be repaired, and restore? Life, revive, and then the last thing is behold. So he says, well, these stones, because they were stones, and Nehemiah built, and he had the leaders built, and he took the same stones and built the wall back up, and then there was gates. See, when you have the wall, the gates, we let things out, and we let things in. We let th thoughts out, let thoughts in. So they, we have to see, it's not just about taking it back, it's what you do when you take it back to protect what you take it back. Because later, the, Jesus says, this will be destroyed. So God doesn't want your destiny and purpose to be destroyed. So when you walk in those things you're appointed to, you know how to build the wall and protect it, because there's a wall around our heart, amen? But we are the stones. Peter says, we are the living stones. So attacks, and then first came confusion. Then they were going to attack him to cause confusion. That's a divided mind. This is important 
but that's important. I want to take it back, but I want to be in comfort more. I have to worry about this and this. And the devil will cause attacks to come. But God, what do you want me to focus on if I'm going to build and take it back? So this is not, this is not, okay, those things are more important. There's things he's assigned to you that he's given you the weapons, he's given you the material, and he's given you his Holy Spirit, which is greater than every tool, to allow you to walk you through. Because just like that foreman, or that supervisor came and he was teaching me how to, how to frame, he wasn't even that nice to anybody. The Holy Spirit's comforter. He's gentle, but he's also powerful. I used to live, you know, I, I live in California, the ocean. People would take their kids down there and they would go swimming. There's a gentleness to the Holy Spirit. There's also a power. He's not just a comforter. He's on the day of Pentecost, the fire. He's also the one to give you power to become witnesses. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just about speaking in tongues. It's so you can be powered to be his witness. It's so you can do the things that Jesus did. As he is, was on the earth, so are you. That's a powerful scripture. As Jesus was, so are you. And he says, I won't leave you alone. I won't leave you orphans. What do you mean? You're in heaven. You've left us. No, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to one to, to walk alongside you, one that's just like me. So he comes in you at salvation. When you get born again, everybody has the Holy Spirit. When you get baptized, he comes on you. He is there with you to take it back. It's not, it's not you trying to figure this thing out. First, he tells you what to take back. Then he tells you how to take back. But he says, you have to, I had to show up there. It wasn't like on the phone, John, you're going to come to work today? No, I had to show up today. So God needs us to show up saying, God, I want to take it back. If you want to take back things that have lost, you need to know what he's stolen and some things you don't know. But raise your hand if you want to take things back. Friends, listen, this is not just about me encouraging you for a day or a season or a thing. It says, will these stones be revived? We are the living stones. Will these stones be quickened? Will these stones have life? And so Satan says, will these stones? And God says, yes. So he built 152 years the wall sat. 52 days he built it. How? When, they, when it was all said and done, they, go, they, did, they perceived it was by God. No kidding. The enemies go, this is God. God wants to do things in your life where man, mom, dad says, no, this is God. This is not the same person. My brother was driving drunk on the sidewalk in Las Vegas, burning his arms. But when he got born again, he started leaving, giving about 80% of his income to missions. People said, that is God. But the same people that called me and said, John, I'm worried about your brother Jim. And the same people said, I can't believe what you did. No, I didn't win. No, no, it was God. God did that. You can't. God wants to do things in this church that no man can claim. So the enemies, the same enemies that said, no, 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 you can't do it. They said, this is God. Because why? When the wall was halfway, they wanted to quit. Satan wants to stop you before you have any momentum. When it was a baby, he tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby. Why? Because he sees in you more than you see in yourself. He's lived thousands of years he's, since he's been created. He's seen millions of people come and go. He's seen little ones go up, big ones go down. He's seen it all. But he knows that if he stops the momentum when it's little and he gets things you did not to believe about yourself before you can believe in him, he can stop it before it even starts. Because when, when Nehemiah was the cupbearer and he wept about the people, he had to go before the king and be sad. Back in then, you'd be killed if you were in the presence of the king and be sad. But he had to take a chance. Friends, you need to take a chance and a step of faith. He says, why, why wouldn't I be sad? My forefathers. Why? It wasn't his land. It was his forefathers. Why wouldn't I be sad? The, promises, the promised land of my forefathers lays waste. There's things in the kingdom of God that have laid waste for far too long, and God is looking for a generation. When I say generation, I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about people that are alive now. We get that confused. Oh, this generation. We think, oh, that's just younger people. That's just old people. No, it's all of us together, friends. God has things for you. He has things assigned to you before he has things assigned for you. Hope, joy, love. Is this making sense? 
Peter 2.5, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So he built, was building the wall, and then came discouragement. Then came uh, confusion. That then comes, and then fear. Because here's all the armies behind him, and so they had to work with on the sword. And I encourage you to read Nehemiah and Ezra because it's a, in, the, in the Jewish, Jewish canon, it's one book because it's told as one story. First, Zerubbabel comes, and he builds a temple. And then Ezra comes, and he reinstates the law, and they bring back the stuff that was stolen. And then Nehemiah comes, and he builds the wall. See, God is building things and doing things. We just can't stop with the temple. We just can't stop with, with worshiping in here. We just can't stop with the wall. We have to care about a city. We're called to see a revival in Fort Bend County. That is our assignment. That's our appointment. That's the thing he's appointed us to do, to be a part of that. Amen? And so we can't just live in comfort. Oh, I'm fine. I'm a cupbearer to the king. That's sad about them, but what about me? Friends, there's people that dying and go to hell. When was the last time you evangelized? When was the last time you witnessed? This is not to bring condemnation. This is to stir up old things again. Movements come and movements go. We're in a different movement and God's pulling back in history to encourage us today to live in a different level in a different way to hear his voice. And when he says taking it back, it's not some thing we can make light of. We need to say, yes, God, I want to take it back. I want to take back everything that was stolen from me. I want to take back everything I put down. I want to put take back all the passion I've lost. I want to take back all the love I had for people. See, when you got born again, you lost the right to hate people. You can't hate colors. You can't hate genders. You can't hate nations. You got the, doesn't mean we don't preach truth. It means I don't hate people. I can hate systems. I can hate governments, uh, what they do to people. I can hate thinking, but I can't hate people. See, we lost that. When we got born again and you laid everything down, you left your sins. You left your past. You left your shame. But some of us still pick that back up and walk in it. I'm going to heaven, but I still have shame. You know, I travel in Latin America, and I see people come to the altar, and because of, of the, the religion that they've been through, they, they know that they're saved, but they still carry the shame. And they come to the altar like, is there anything good for me? I'm saved, but what are you going to tell me? What does God have for me? And so when you see places of great poverty, it doesn't change the word. Because poverty is a curse. Not everybody's called to be a millionaire. I know that breaks some of your hearts, but but you're all called to have your needs met. And prosperity is having enough what God's called you to for for what He's called you to do. And so when you see that, is God is your word still true? I go to places that Pastor I, Pastor Easy and I and went, and there was just a dirt. A person got killed the week before. We were in Argentina. It was a small church. Little kids were bringing us pictures when we pulled up, and it was dirt. Is it the same truth for them? Or is it different? See, it doesn't matter if you're in China, Israel, Argentina, there's still gravity. This word's true around the world, friend. And so you can be one of those that goes, you know what, I'm good, or I lost it, but when I look at the rubble, John, I don't think I can take it back. It's okay. You can be honest saying, God, you know. Can these bones live? You know. Let me give me an interpretation. I don't think so, but I'm not going to tell you I don't think so to your face. You know. And then he said, son of man, prophesy. Speak to these bones. So we speak to our past. We speak to those things that are lost and are dormant. See, the stones were dormant. They weren't dead. Will these stones revive again? We said it in worship. Be quickened. Be alive. Be alert. And the stones, we are the living stones. First, we must be quickened before those things that we lost are quickened, before they, we take them back. Amen? So this is not about, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. No, God's saying, I want to do this in your heart. 
I want you to care about what you lost. I want you to see it. And Nehemiah grieved for a season. Nehemiah grieved for a time. He did not grieve for his life. And he did not put it aside. Julia, can you please play? See, John, when you, when it's, it's, and it's not about what we feel. I, I love feeling his presence. I love feeling things. I love feeling stirred. But it's more, a, more than feeling. It's a knowing. When you don't feel it, does he still love you? When you don't feel it, you might, some, some married people don't feel married. They're still married. As a single person, I can say that. When I get married, I won't be able to say that anymore. I'm like, oh, I feel married every day. See, if you go by feelings, you'll be like the Israelites. We love God, we turn away from him. Up, down. See, friends, this is not about how you feel what you've lost. This is about what he said that you lost. And he wants to you to restore him when the thief is caught seven times. 152 years, 52 days. God. Jesus. Thousands of years. Multiple prophecies. Three and a half years. He's the condenser of time. He's the redeemer. He's the God who's with us. So Lord, I thank you you're with us today. Not just you were with them then. You were with us now. It's not just you were with Nehemiah back then. You're with us now. God, and I thank you we have things to rebuild. I thank you, God, for assigning faith to us, for assigning hope to us, assigning life to us, to take on whatever challenge we need to see Nehemiah was not born in Jerusalem. He did not see Jerusalem. He was born in captivity. But he went back to a place he was not familiar with, to a God he was, with a God he was. So, Lord, I thank you. We can be familiar with you. Therefore, we can walk in unfamiliar territories. Some people, he's called you to have a business. You're not familiar with that. You're not familiar with making money. He's called you to lay hands on the sick. You're not familiar with that. But you can walk. If you only want to walk in realms that you're familiar with. So, Lord, I thank you. It's not just taking back things that we think we've let down. But we've, there's promises we've never walked in that we have let down, God. I thank you. You're encouraging us to back. You're quickening us. You're revived. Can these stones be revived? Oh, no, no. These stones can be more than revived. Because as, as you're revived and you stand next to me. And he's revived and he stands next to you. And this one comes in there revived. We have a wall. So, Lord, I thank you. There's a wall at the epicenter, God. I thank you we're building the wall. We're building the wall of revival. We're building the wall of love. God, I thank you for young people being saved. Homeless young people, God. I thank you for us going to prisons. God, but before we do those things, help us receive those things you have assigned to us before it's for us. See, what has he assigned to you? He's given everyone a measure of faith and joy. It doesn't mean you're joyful because of you're joyful in. There's a huge difference. Doctor's reports. Oh, I'm so thankful I got the doctor. No, no, no. Lord, I'm thankful that you're with me. I'm thankful that you care. I'm thankful that you're above all things and through all things and you know all things. Ezra, Zerubbabel, and Nehemiah. The temple, they took back the temple. They brought back the stuff that was stolen in the temple. And they put back the wall. Well, he didn't just care that the temple was built and there was stuff restored. He cared about the wall. God wants everything that he has for you to be completed and nothing to be incomplete. At the end of your life, 
It doesn't mean, I mean, I, I wish I could go back and make some different decisions. I wish I could go back and change some things. But when you give those things to him, he can redeem it. You can start today. So Lord, I thank you we start today, God. I thank you we let the regrets of the past go. What I shoulda, woulda, coulda. Friends, that's another filter that will destroy your life. I wish I shoulda, coulda, did a, set up different, raised them different, set it different, gave different, lived different. God, we start from today. We give you today. Nehemiah couldn't go back and change what his forefathers did, but he could change how he lived today. And you gave him a letter and says, this is what you, I'm giving you authority to take it back.